0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you in part by our friends at Ditchwich. I'm Aaron Martin, and Bass Edge Television is currently on Wild TV in Canada, but also found on the Versus Network January through June of 2008. And my, the year is quickly slipping away. Uh, my co host, Steve Brigman, is joining me. Steve, uh, thanks for coming along today. As always, it's good to be here. I appreciate you having me. I know uh, we've got a great show lined up as we are going to be checking in with southern angler Mike Cork talking about one of my favorite things to do, and that is shallow fishing. Then we will be heading to the Inside Edge segment and talk with Major Cody Robertson of Army Bass Anglers. And if you are not familiar with this organization, I promise you uh, this is going to be an interview that will really pull at your heartstrings, but uh, they have a great cause uh, in helping our troops whenever they return from active duty and getting them on the water. Great show lined up, and it's all right here on The Edge.
1: You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches on. Experience the revolution. Uh Uh-oh, look here, I got one,
2: I got one. Look here, (laughs) I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait.
0: Oh, good fish, nice. good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that soft going, man, that's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Steve, thanks uh, so much for joining us again this week. As uh, our good friend outdoors Dan, I think is is still still in the woods. Yeah, he's he's off leaning against a tree, talking (laughs) to some gobbler, who knows where. Well, I think at last count, you know, he finished up his grand slam this year. Of course, he does uh, the majority of everything with a bow. So hats off to him. You know, that's that's pretty challenging.
3: Well, it is. uh, You know, I have. uh, You know me, I'm an avid turkey hunter myself, but I've really not uh, done it with the bow yet. I. I'm a little concerned about raising that bow with that gobbler in close, but uh, I'm anxious to see his show. I really am. I I know Dan uh, uh, puts on a great show, and
0: uh, and I know he he got him some turkeys this year. You know, speaking about being out and about and on the road, uh, we've we've had a, a great month as as we've been to to Cattle Lake, and uh, of course, uh, not too far around the corner, uh, Lake Potoka. And also, uh, you know, we we got to spend some time there at the Toyota Texas Bass Classic.
3: Oh, what a what a great event! You know, they're just of course for me that's my old stomping ground. So. Uh, got to see a lot of good friends and, uh, uh, all the anglers were there and, uh, got to talk to them and got to see some of them. the old Bass Edge gang, you yeah. know, we all wander off in various directions and meet at various times. Uh, it was a great, it was a it, great time.
0: It was, I mean, it was, it was like kind of like being amongst family and, and certainly want to just say thanks for all of those, uh, all of you who were able to come by and, and see us and anytime that we're ever out, please, uh, just come by and introduce yourself we would love the opportunity to exchange some fishing stories so it's never a bad thing to to talk about fishing. Well, yeah,
3: you know, and there's starting to be kind of a musical element to this whole bass Edge travel. You know, we got to see uh, some some great uh, concerts down there at the uh, Bass Classic, and and I understand you've got some pretty good uh, pretty good little music event coming up
0: for us. Yeah, right? you know, I, it's it's funny because what's the irony of it is I didn't have to twist too many people's arm to go to go to the next event, which is obviously <laughs> coming up June fifth through the seventh, but. You know, Trace Adkins, uh, ZZ Top, Leonard Skinner, uh, some great bluegrass bands that's going to be up. And, uh, man, we're going to have a great time. I know uh, there's going to be a lot of people, and we'll be giving away uh, tickets to that event through the website and that. So make sure, uh, if you've not checked that out, had the opportunity to just go to www.bamajammusicfestival.com. And, and, uh, man... I'm looking forward to that. I'm
3: looking forward to the Bama Jam. You know, it's going to be hard for me. You know, you know I'm my uh, musical tastes are somewhat eclectic. And, sure. uh I'm going to have to have trouble choosing between the uh, rock and roll stage and the
0: bluegrass stage. But uh, that's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. It will be. Speaking of a blast, you know, Steve, we're here in uh, really kind of the prime time fishing, you know, obviously, depending upon where you're at in the country. Uh, could be post-spawn down in the south. Could be pre-spawn up north. Uh, everywhere in between, but springtime just presents some fantastic fishing opportunities. Oh my goodness gracious, yes. I mean, it's
3: just uh, y- you know, you know the fishing opportunities are great, but I think there's also that, that uh, cabin fever thing. We've been, you know, cooped up, and even when we've been out fishing, we've had to bundle all up and Boy, a little sun on our backs, a little sun on the
0: water, it feels good. It's just a great time to be fishing. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of fish that that are active, obviously. Um, They move in generally. Even if you're in a deep reservoir, they're going to be heading to the shallows just because of nature and and what is going on with the spawn and how they react to those seasonal conditions and things that's going on like that. So, uh, you know, just in my opinion, if you know somebody that maybe loves to fish and doesn't get the opportunity to get out there and do it a lot, Springtime is a any time's a great time to get them out there and do it, but springtime is one certainly one of those to where chances are they're going to experience a little bit higher success ratio.
3: Well, absolutely. You know, I think one of the keys to to getting our youngsters started fishing is to choose a time to to, to go when when they're comfortable and when they've got a good chance of, of catching fish, and and the springtime is 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 a time when it's just comfortable outside. Uh, The fish are biting, and there's just a lot of activity around the banks and that sort of thing. It's just a great time to take those people, kids and and adults, fishing for the first time.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of time, we need to take a quick break. But on that same note, our next interview is with Mike Cork, and it is on fishing cypress trees. One of the things that, I tell you what, you got to love it. We'll be right back with Mike Cork after this.
1: Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere.
0: If you own a boat, you need one of these.
1: MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat
0: ramps. Kit started under $140. And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
1: Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches on establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility.
3: Well, we're back here on The Edge, and this is Steve Brigman. We're here at beautiful Lake Caddo on the Texas-Louisiana border, and I'm here with bitten Louisiana angler, Mike Cork. Hey, Mike, it's good to have you here on The Edge today. That's great to be here. I'm glad to have The Edge come out to Caddo Lake and see what it's all about. Well, it's good. it's good to be here. I tell you what, when you pull up to this place, it's just, it's incredible. You look out there and you think, where do I start? And it's just all cypress trees. And I know that when I got here, when we started talking, you know, you started talking about, you know, had I fished cypress trees before and it's a, it's a whole different deal. Can you just to talk to me about a little bit about cypress trees and how, how different as a structure they are from say other, other standing timber? Uh, Cypress trees, they're not even the
4: same category as standing timber. The root systems on cypress trees are phenomenal. When you see that tree sitting there where it touches the water, that's that's just the beginning of the understructure that's underneath. The root systems, they call call them knees, and the roots come out and they hit the ground, and then they have these vertical upshoots that come out, and they come out in different angles and different directions, and bass can pull up and hide inside those knees. And create ambush points.
3: So these knees are kind of like little stumps that sort of ring the trees?
4: Exactly. The the, uh, general uh, size of them is about the size of your fist. And you can just double your fist, put a fist on top of another fist. And they come out about as far as the the limbs of the trees, all the way around
3: it. So when you're looking at a a, a large mature tree, you're talking about knees that are quite a few feet out from the uh, trunk of the tree. Yeah, you could have them out as three, four feet away from the tree. So that creates a, a like a, a a larger structure where you're fishing out away from the trunk uh, a lot a lot different than fishing a bow dock or a standing timber or something like that
4: right a typical standing timber you're going to pitch to the tree and your bait's going to fall right down the base of the tree and it's going to hit the bottom and that's it With the cypress tree you still want to do that you want to get very close to the tree and your bait's going to fall then you're going to work it out through the roots a little bit bounce it around and try and shake one out of there
3: well what's your approach to that because i know that if i were fishing say a brush pile you want to Uh, say, start by fishing one side of it, what's your general approach to to coming up to a a cypress tree and fishing?
4: Well, cypress trees, bass relate to them in two different ways. One way is they've got their back to the tree, and that's an inactive fish. And he's sitting there because he's using the tree as shelter, and he's, he's using it to protect himself so he can hide in the roots and use the tree to create shade. The other way is when they're active is they actually sit down on the roots and face the tree. Now, what they're doing then is they're looking for bait fish swimming around the top of the Tree, or waiting for wind to blow it around from the other side of the tree, and they're a perfect ambush point
3: for it. So I was trying to hit the tree with my baits. Okay, so you oh, so the way you approach is to hit the tree with the bait, and work it out into the knees. Definitely, definitely. Okay, I've been looking forward to asking you this question (laughs) when you pull up to the boat ramp and you look out there at all those cypress trees. Where do you start is there Is there a way to uh determine uh which trees are going to be have more knees or be better fishing trees?
4: through experience I've learned a tree that has knots up on the top you know within the first say three or four feet of the water up on the above the water if it's got a knot or something that looks unusual on it, it's gonna have a better root system underneath. Yeah. But other than that, you just got to put that trolling motor down and go because that's not a guarantee. I mean, when, you, when you're when you feeling, that's the only real way to find a better tree.
3: So, you know, paying attention to, to to your bait and what you're coming through is important here. Yeah. Tell me about working a tree. I mean, uh, how long will you stay on a tree? How many casts on a tree? And I know that has to vary.
4: Uh, it definitely varies by season. Um, during your warmer months, I will make one pitch, one cast to each side of the tree. But a spinnerbait, I'll cast down one, cast past it on one side, bring the spinnerbait up and hit it, the tree, and let it flutter. If I didn't get a bite, I'll go around and cast to the other side of the tree, do the same thing. In colder weather now, that's a different story. You work your jig. I'll, I'll hit probably four or five different places on that tree
3: and bounce through it and make sure I covered every square inch of them roots. Okay, and you've mentioned a uh, jig and a spinnerbait, uh, and I know that you use a lot of different baits on on caddo, of course. But it looks like to me you're always fishing cypress trees. Mm-hmm. Well, talk to me about some of the baits you use and why you would use a certain bait at a certain time of the year. Um, uh, jigs I like in the early spring because
4: it's a crawdad pattern. The fish, they typically, anywhere you're at, bass will eat crawdads in the spring. Um, spinner baits, I like when the water's warming up. I use a spinner bait to cover, cover more trees more quickly, try to get more of that aggressive bite. And once water gets super hot, here in Louisiana, we, we'll see water temperatures in the 90s. That's not uncommon. And the bass become a little more th- lethargic then because they don't have deep water sanctioned, They can't get away from that temperature. So we'll go to uh, uh, Zara Spooks and things like that that we can work in the strike zone for a long time. We mm-hmm. can work that Zara Spook. You can bring it back and forth, walk the dog through the, along that tree. And some guys that are really good can sit there and bounce it, and it'll always go in the same direction and bounce off the tree. Uh-huh. That, that's dynamite if you can make it do that and there's a fish there you're going to get a bite
3: yeah well you know another thing i noticed about uh, lake caddo uh just in the little bit that i've seen the lake is the you've got areas of really thick intense trees and then you've got air, more open areas uh with the more scattered trees maybe little islands of trees talk to me about your approach there how how, how do you decide which types of areas to fish well, the, the trees,
4: we we break that down into two different classes. You've got your isolated trees or your clumps of trees. I think that's where you're, you're trying to go with that. At any given time, it could be either one, and it's a matter of trying trying them both and seeing which one. I've seen in the spring where the isolated trees are working better, and in the spring, the clumps are working better. Same goes with the summertime. Typically, though, if you can get that isolated tree pattern going, that's going to be your bigger fish because they're, they're more territorial, and they'll take over that tree and they'll, you know, they'll feed on anything that comes near it, and they'll run any other bass off.
3: Okay, well, a lake like uh, Caddo and all the cypress trees that are here, you have an unusual amount of shade. Talk to me about how much uh, fish relate to that shade, if it's a seasonal thing, and, and what's your approach to, to uh, dealing, you know, using the shade as a tool.
4: Um, shade is, is very much a tool, again, during the summer because it's so hot. They'll still they'll use the shade. Conversely, in the spring, I use it the other way around. You, you try and stay away from the shade if you can, you know. You always want to fish your northern pockets and stuff in the spring because they're gonna the water's gonna warm the first there. On a lake like this, there's there's no real bank lines. All you got is tree lines, and if you're working on northern tree line, you got to be careful not to have secondary tree line that's going to be shading that tree line and preventing it that water from warming up. So you really want to look for the sunny stuff, and that, again, that's where the, the single trees can be very productive in a, in a early spring.
3: Okay, and then of course. Uh... It just when you look at it across Lake Caddo, it's just it looks like all cypress trees. But when you get on the water, there's just an absolute ton of vegetation. Uh, talk to me about how you like to work uh, vegetation around trees and how often you fish, uh, say away from the, the cypress trees. The um, our predominant
4: grass here is hydrilla. During the summer months, it is extremely thick. Um, we have a lot of hyacinth, um, and most of that is fished via heavy jigs or uh, heavy weights with texas rigs we've got a lot of lily pads and um, once those get up well the frog bite can be can be heart stopping (laughs) that's what it is
3: it's it's, it's incredible well i'll tell you what mike uh that heart stopping i'm ready to have my heart stopped (laughs) what do you say uh what what do you say you and i shut this machine off and go out and try to catch us a few of those fish. Oh, we could do that. Uh, I'm all about doing some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my friend. Well, listen, it's been great to have you on the edge. Oh, it was excellent. Thank you for having me. Well,
0: Steve, I know you had the opportunity to visit with Mike and actually do the interview. Uh, I obviously know Mike through some other connections, but... And I thought he brought some great information to the table on cypress trees.
3: Yeah, I did, too. You know, when we first got down there, he, he asked me, well, have you fished cypress trees before? And, frankly, it kind of struck me, well, I've fished trees before. <laughs> and uh, But it is a totally different thing. Uh, he spoke about the knees and, and, and the and the structure that it creates around and away from the trees and the way and the way that the fish sat out on the knees and looked at the tree it was I just found it a fascinating interview and and frankly, once I did it, I thought, well, we've got to go fish some more
0: cypress trees. No question because you know when you think of a, of a cypress tree, you know they're they're fairly a, a straight trunk, but they have this f- flaring out at the bottom obviously that protrudes into the water a lot of times when you when you're fishing timber. You have the perception that those fish are going to be nosed right up against the base of that pole timber. Cypress brings a little different, you know, aspect to that pertaining to those knees that you referenced.
3: But in a way, it's you know, like like Mike had referred to, you're still want you still want to flip your bait right up there against the trunk of the tree, because an active fish is going to be sitting off on those knees, looking at the tree uh using it as as that sort of ambush point so uh so in that way, it's similar, and then I found it also very interesting that that he talked about how the inactive fish will face out from the the trunk of the tree,
0: so who knew man, sure, sure that well cypress trees are so different than others well, they are, and, and that's something that I don't have a tremendous amount of experience with either, but I can tell you that if if you have for instance like on kettle lake you know there's some wind current and obviously there was water that was running in there so those fish i think were positioned more based upon the wind current based upon the shade you know where you could find them actually on the tree but i always like to really fish if i believe that let's say there's a cluster or an individual uh, isolated cypress tree that's close to some deeper water, especially like in a post punt situation that's going on down there right now. You know, fish the fish the entire, I guess, perimeter of the tree just to make sure that you cover it. Once you start having success, then you just remember where you caught that fish, and you can try and duplicate that throughout the rest of the lake.
3: Well, absolutely, and of course, down there it was, it was like uh, which which cypress tree you fish. And Mike uh, gave us some great information on that, and. The story that uh, we wrote on the website about shallow fishing is a great complement to, to, to that and how to pick the the exact cypress tree to fish or, or whatever kind of uh, structure you're fishing.
0: Well, and, and like you said, I mean, trying to pick which cypress tree to fish, because that is an intimidating factor. You know, when you look at uh, all those cypress trees, and it doesn't matter if you're on Caddo Lake, if you're on Bistano, if you're on Greer's Ferry, you know, those, every single tree at first glance looks like it should be holding a fish.
3: Well, and that's what Mike told me for the website piece was pick an area based on the seasonal pattern and don't go wander the way you put it, don't go wandering off into the wild blue yonder because it's easy to just go from tree to tree to tree and suddenly you look back in the area that you had decided, say, maybe it was a hump or a, a higher spot or, or something, well, you've just led yourself uh, a long way from that just because one tree looks as good as the next.
0: Yeah, all of a sudden you look down at your GPS and it looks like a giant etch sketch and you've got nothing but circles. And <laughs> <laughs> that,
3: that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, you know, it it, it it was fascinating down there. I mean, it all looks the same. Sure. I mean, it, but it's not. No. And, uh, and it's just great to have time to, to spend with a guy like Mike to uh, to discuss uh, the differences. Yeah.
0: You know, the the way I look at it is from the standpoint, it's just like if you have docks or if you have grass, those fish are holding there also based upon topography. Maybe there's a, a little ledge, maybe it's a hump or an island like you spoke and Mike spoke about. Uh, but there is also other factors because when you have a lake full of trees or full of docks or just full of grass, those fish have that anywhere throughout the lake. So then you still need to fish that area just like those trees, those docks, that grass line is not there because they're holding to that topography.
3: Well, that's a great point. And anybody that fishes docks a lot knows that as you work down the bank, one dock is better than another, and they might all kind of look alike. But there's a reason, and it might be its relative position uh, to deeper water or vegetation around it or just the fact that uh, some folks have put some brush piles. There's a reason why one dock's better, and there's a reason why one cypress tree's better than another.
0: And quickly, one thing that I, I did learn is that be very aware of what you're doing with the trolling motor. When you come charging in you know, to those trees and things like that, got to be careful of that backwash
3: yeah one of the things we did down there was we found that the fishing was a little bit better on the scattered trees so you you moved a fair distance uh from one tree to the other in that instance and and it's real easy to kind of get in a hurry and get get drifting too fast in to where you have to turn your trolling motor in reverse and all you do is just throw a bunch of backwash on that tree and uh, it takes it takes a little patience No question.
0: And speaking of patience, we need to take a quick break. But when we get back, we're going to head to the Inside Edge. And this week, it is Major Cody Robertson of Army Bass Anglers.
1: You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the Tow and Stole Receiver Hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge.
0: All right, welcome back to The Edge, and joining us this week on the Inside Edition, Major Cody Robertson of the Army Bass Anglers. Cody, thanks so much uh, for taking time out of your schedule to be part of The Edge. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Cody, before we get into really what Army Bass Anglers is and what it stands for and all the many benefits uh, that you provide to soldiers, you kind of have a story that I feel is is worth sharing right here because you're currently sitting, uh I believe it's somewhere in New York, getting ready for your second deployment. Uh, over into iraq is that correct uh roger i'm up here at uh,
2: fort drum new york
0: yeah and uh through that process you've you've had some some travel difficulties uh in, in getting there it was kind of like a bad nightmare <laughs>
2: yeah exactly no i had to leave san antonio and then in, and in trying to get here uh, that weather system that just pushed through a few days ago uh was tracking northeast and just happened to be in the same uh route that i was flying so i Basically spent the last three days uh, camping out and sleeping on the floors of uh, airports uh, all, of, all across the country, and it took me three days to get here, and uh, flights delayed, flights canceled, uh, facilities not being opened. Uh, it, was, it was a nightmare,
0: that's for sure. Well, we just want to say, you know, from Bass Edge and from all of our listeners, uh, how much we appreciate and so respect your service uh, to the country and, and the efforts that you and many, many other service men and women are providing us so that we can be able to fish and and do the things that we do here in the States. Well, I appreciate that, and it's an honor to serve, and uh, thank you. Cody, one of the things that when I saw, uh, because I know that your organization has been around, I think, for about two years, perhaps you could just really set the stage of what Army Bass Anglers is and and kind of their their mission statement.
2: Uh, No problem. Uh, Army Bass Anglers, first, I, I like to always clarify with everybody, one, it's not a club, and two, it is not a non-profit organization. Uh, Army Bass Anglers is a team of eight uh, individuals, all active duty soldiers except for one. Uh, we have a mission statement that is called Support, Defend, Fish, and the support piece being we support and volunteer our time for three non-profit organizations, one, which is Returning Heroes Home, two, which is Fishing for Freedom, Take a Soldier Fishing, and then three... Uh, fishing for freedom, take a wounded soldier fishing. And then the defend piece of our motto is literal. Everybody on the team, with the, the exception of one, are active duty soldiers, and at any given time, uh, much like myself, will come down on deployment orders uh, for their second, third, fourth, and in some cases, uh, possibly even their fifth combat tours. And uh, we use an honorary system. Uh, we have anglers that step up and fish in our place, and it's you know, the burden of the load of fishing is uh, placed on that uh, team captain as that individual is deployed. And then the fish piece being is we like to share articles, tips, information with our fellow soldiers and service members. And then the last piece of that part of the fish is is we like to use the fishing industry and the tournament circuits to continue to raise awareness and funds and operations for that support piece that we're talking about which is Returning Heroes Home and the Two Fishing for Freedoms.
0: So are you a group of professional anglers that more or less as soldiers, that was your common bond, and got together and formed this?
2: Well, uh, we don't like to think of ourselves as professional fishermen. We like to think of ourselves as professional soldiers that just happen to be really good, avid anglers with a much larger uh, mission or calling, if you will, and that's supporting the soldiers that are out there in those three nonprofit organizations.
0: You know, one I would like to highlight out of the, the three that you named was the Returning Heroes Home. Uh, what, what is that organization? I mean, uh, yes, sir. Returning
2: here? Heroes Home is a uh, $3.5 million endeavor uh, at Fort Sam Houston, Texas, on the Brook Army Medical Center campus. And basically what it is is they're building a gigantic living room, if you will, for the soldiers that were wounded in Iraq and Afghanistan. A lot of people are familiar with the Polis House, the Fisher House, the Intrepid Center, and then the Brook Army Medical Center itself. But what we don't have there uh, on that facility or that campus is a place for the soldiers that have been wounded to spend quality time with their family members outside the, the public view or, or outside of you know just the installation itself. Uh, because what happens is, if you're not familiar with BAMC, it's the premier burn center in the country. And with most ballistic injuries and uh, stuff like that, you have a lot of burns, second and third degree burn issues that accompany that. And so that facility uh, provides them protection so that while they're undergoing care, and a lot of these guys are under care from six months to 18 months and even longer, while they're under care, they have a place where they can spend time with their family members where they're not out in the public. In the public's eye, and and why that's important is is because while they're under care, not only are they dealing with the the physical rehabilitative piece of their injury, they're also dealing with the emotional uh, piece of this pie. A lot of them have PTSD or TBI, which is traumatic brain injury. While they're also dealing with the physical uh, issues that they've got, and they all come with the support network: mom, dad, you know, brother, sister, girlfriend, wife, children. And when they're out in the public, you know, not that people do it maliciously, but they tend to, to look twice. They tend to stare a little bit longer. When, when you're missing, you know, an ear, you have severe burn injuries that affect your face, your hair, uh, your skin. You've got skin grafts and stuff like that. And you're dealing with, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome and TBI and your appearance and all the emotional issues that go with it. You don't really want to be out in the public right now. And so we're going to provide them a haven where they can basically go through that whole rehabilitative process and uh, basically be protected from all that until they're ready to make that emotional step back out into the public, back to the workforce, et cetera. And so that's what that facility is all about, and it's going to take a lot of money to build it.
0: So why is the fishing component so critical for this?
2: Well, um, what we discovered uh, as we were fishing ourselves, we discovered that there's a huge uh, forum out there for us to basically uh, catapult this entire effort out there onto the fishing industry. Uh, If you look at fishing industry demographics, uh, they're much like NASCAR, have a huge following. And uh, if you kind of look at military demographics and you lay them one on top of the other, you're basically looking at a lot of the same type of people. We like to hunt. We like to fish. We like to blow things up. I mean, it was a natural fit. And then if you look at the tournament side of it, it was a great opportunity for us to get on stage and basically get the uh, tournament directors to put in a plug for returning heroes home and help raise awareness. And I can give you a great example of that. As we were fishing in 2007, we qualified for the South Regional Championships. And we met with one of the board members and, and we talked to them about a boat wrap. And it wasn't so that we could look cool. When this, when we started forming this relationship, was about raising awareness, and we knew the impact of a wrapped boat on the I-35 corridor, the 410, the, the I-20s, all the different major thoroughfares that lead into these lakes where the competitions are held. And we knew if we stopped and somebody saw that wrap, they were going to ask the question. Well, it did exactly what we thought it would do. People started asking the question about returning heroes home, what's this all about? Well, we were smart enough to put brochures in there and start fostering that relationship and getting that information out there. And Then when we actually competed in the tournament, when we got on the water the second day, the entire uh, national staff or uh, fishers of men lined up on the boat dock, and they all saluted this boat as it, as it made its launch out for the day. And Then when we came back in, we got swamped with about 15 to 20 different people asking, what's this boat, what's this wrap all about? Well, we took the brochures, we put it in their hands, We gave them the information on how they could get involved, how they could make a online donation, and basically just started spreading the word. And it did exactly what we thought it was going to do.
0: Well, that uh, that certainly tugs at my heartstrings and gives me chills as I sit here and just listen to that story. Um, You know, in in our in our closing minute, how can civilians and I guess non-members of of the organization Uh, become involved here in our our, our last closing
2: minute? Okay. Well, one, they can go online to www.returningheroeshome.org. They can go to the online secure page there and just do basically whatever your heart leads you to do. You can also go to our site at armybassanglers.com. You can look at the Fishing for Freedom, Take a Wounded Soldier fishing or Fishing for Freedom, Take a Soldier fishing. Contact those tournament directors and get involved whether it be as a volunteer or bringing your boat out and taking one of those soldier fishing, Uh, especially the wounded soldiers because they need additional help. Some of these guys are missing uh, their arms, their hands, their thumbs, their fingers, and and they need assistance on the boat. And you may not get to fish, but you're definitely going to have an opportunity to help a soldier and get involved.
0: Well, Major Robertson, unfortunately we are out of time, but I just, again, want to uh, wish you safe travels and, uh, again, Thank you on behalf of the entire nation and Bass Edge, our listeners, uh, for what you guys do and, and your service to this country. We wish you the best.
2: Well, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. When I'm fishing
3: in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1 390 8780 or online at Cook'sGoto.com.
0: Welcome back to the Edge. When I did that interview, I, I was just sitting there thinking about the things that we can often take for granted as anglers, and certainly after talking with Major Robertson and all the many men and women uh, you know who serve uh, our great country it, it really makes you think Well, you know,
3: we can't really adequately thank the men and women that uh, that serve in our armed services and all the sacrifices they go through, but uh, the army bass anglers that that is a great gesture to uh to show them our appreciation.
0: Yeah, and we're going to try. Actually, uh, when we head to, I think, Rayburn uh, sometime there in May, we're we're going to have the opportunity to meet up with a few of them, and, and we're certainly looking forward to that. Um, just as a reminder, one of the things that we do want to throw out there that we are doing is the, the giveaways, the prize giveaways. We have some great stuff that that we've been giving away, so if you have not entered your name into that, make sure you do so. You are eligible to actually do that one time a week. Uh, Another way that you're automatically entered in, obviously, is through uh, the Ask the Pros question segment. But then also I want to throw out a thanks to all those who have been posting their comments and their reviews out on iTunes. Our iTunes subscribers uh, would like for you to to continue that and just let us know your feedback because – Really, Steve, that's that's what we like to hear is feedback.
3: Oh, it's absolutely great to hear from the folks. And, uh, you know, I just want to reiterate, uh, you know, we want to hear your questions, Ask the Pro Questions. When you entered, you're automatically entered into the prize drawing. But uh, be sure to include your address and phone number and uh, your shipping address, because we've had to skip over a couple of folks that we didn't have their information. So uh, let's hear from you, and let's have your information.
0: And we have a another busy week coming up. I know there's a lot of things going on in the Bass Edge community, newsletters rocking and rolling, but also uh, there's some new Bass Edge product that has came out.
3: There's some neat stuff. Uh, I've already got my hand in the cookie <laughs> jar and got me a few uh, items, you know, so... Uh, uh,
0: neat stuff uh, folks need to take a look on the website and uh, I, th- I think uh, there's something there for everybody and if you happen to be at one of the, the many events uh, that we'll be at from nascar races to the bama jam to all those different things we'll be giving a- away some of that uh, free uh, simply if you'll just come up and uh, introduce yourself we would love that opportunity unfortunately our time has quickly passed and we need to get out of here steve Time travels too fast when you're having a good time. uh, Goodbye, my friend, and we'll see you next time. All right, for Steve Brigman, I am Aaron Martin, and we'll see you right here on the Edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following
1: sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible: Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, V and W Trailer Hitches, MegaWare Keel Guard, Cooks Tackle Management Systems. Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.